0: And I'm just a super nerd. Welcome back to The Paleo View, episode 397, which I recognize last week we could not figure out simple math. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Sarah, but I-, I don't know if it was in the notes or if I said it wrong, but Monica, who does the show notes, messaged me. She's like, do you guys want to re-record?" I'm like with everything going on in the world. I'll just apologize oh. next week.
1: <laughs> I honestly don't think there's a single person who actually, you know, who to whom it's actually important, other than us, that the number said in the episode matches the number anywhere else. <laughs> I think um, I had to look back at the notes, and it was correct in one spot and incorrect in the other. And I think it was because our uh, COVID nineteen FAQ show. I, I had sort of seen that that was going to be necessary and was starting to plan that show and I and I moved it up and swapped places with the the question that we have today, in order to um, just really like meet the meet the need that is you know this this our world is changing so rapidly right now um, with COVID nineteen and I think I had changed it's I I'm taking blame the blame I had changed it I had corrected it in one spot and not in the other so you were reading it in just. The spot that I had um, not uh, remembered to to change the episode title and window into our podcast prep from our listeners.
0: Yeah, we actually do plan weeks in advance. I mean, that's cool. <laughs> uh, and also have a hard time with simple math. No, um, mm-hmm. this is this is the ongoing joke. So I, I told Monica, I'm like, it's good. It just continues our self mockery on math. Yep. It's fine. But um, like you said, lots going on in this world. If you're listening to the show way back later, we are going to provide practical tips that apply anytime. We know that right now with extra stress, your sleep cycle in particular, my sleep cycle, Mm -hmm. if I'm being... Completely honest, this show is a selfish, wonderful, magical delivery for me because my sleep has been <laughs> like a roller coaster. I feel like we were talking before the show. My stress level is like a roller coaster right now, where I'm like, I got yeah. this, everything's fine, and then I'm like, ah, this new reality or this new fact I learned or you know whatever, and then I'm like, okay, no, I got it, I got it, right? And so if you're feeling that stress as well. Obviously, um, sleep is one of the things that will be affected, but it's also one of the most important things to staying healthy during this time period. So, we're going to talk sleep cycle, but before we jump into that, how are you, Sarah? (laughs) Um, How's it
1: going? You know, I um, all things considered, you know, I I think it's important to remember that uh, (laughs) there is this uh, elephant in the room context to everything now. Um, but I think, you know, we're so we're um, as we're recording, we are an hour and 40 minutes away from our shelter in place order taking effect because our county um, announced a state of emergency last night. And I mean, we've already been doing that for a couple of weeks. Um, the kids have been uh, doing what they're calling at home learning, um, which is uh, still, I think the teachers are still trying to navigate this this very different, uh, you know, like diff- like software. Like instead of just, you know, having a smart board or, you know, slides or a whiteboard to teach a class of students who are all sitting in a room, they're having to use all of these different digital tools um, that each each tool does like one piece of what they need. And so they're still, I think troubleshooting how this is going to work moving forward. Um, but we're, you know, overall, like my husband's working from home. I already worked from home. Um, I have to say that I have been in a mental place the last week where I am feeling a lot of gratitude. Um, I'm very grateful that at this point, it looks like we weren't exposed before we went into physical isolation. I'm very grateful, Um, that I have a really healthy marriage with my husband and that my kids are that perfect age of like old enough to be self-sufficient and interesting and young enough to not be uh, jerks all the time. (laughs) Like, um, and I'm really grateful that, um, actually, here's the thing. I'm really grateful for the health crash I had last fall um, because if I hadn't had such a bad health crash and that was, I mean, I'm still dealing with some of the physical ramifications, but I've been able to get to the other side of that in terms of the mental health challenges that I was having last fall. But I think that if I hadn't had that health crash and I was still trying to go at the pace that I was trying to maintain before that, um, with that much travel and um, long hours and high stress, I would not... I would not be in a position to be able to be resilient to the COVID-19 challenge right now. And at the time it was horrible and, um, it didn't, you know, it didn't feel like it had a reason. And now I'm, I feel, I feel gratitude for having had to learn those lessons the hard way, but at that time and not be having to learn them now. And so, um, and so, even though we're, you know, there's lots of challenges for this um, new stay-at-home lifestyle that we're we're operating under, and you know, I don't want to say that it's it's easy, um, but I I am in this mental space where I'm feeling gratitude for the things that I have that are good, and um, and I think it's just it's it's um, It's it's a nice headspace to be in right now for me to be able to very naturally focus on um, feeling thankful for things. Um, Because it's not, you know, I wasn't doing gratitude practice to get here. This is just where my headspace is at. Um, And, uh, yeah, and I I feel right now, um, I feel right now like I got this.
0: I'm glad to hear it. I think gratitude is a really important thing to focus on right now. And I'm glad you're feeling that way. Because I think even if you're not feeling that way, listeners, the more you can practice that gratitude and find mm-hmm. things that you are grateful for. Like, I love that you said that your kids were at a perfect age because that's something I hadn't thought about. And I'm like, you're totally right. I'm, you know, that is something I can be thankful for. Um, But there's a lot to be thankful for, and the more we think about that, the less overwhelming it feels. I know I'm thankful that we're still getting packages delivered, that mail uh, is being delivered, trash is being picked up, (gasps) some of the basic quality of life things that we need. Grocery stores are still stocking items for us. You know, there's... There's, you can still walk out of your house and, you know, go on a walk in Italy. You You can't leave your house without a pass. Like, you can't just go for a walk in your neighborhood. So, we have a lot of things that we can be grateful for. And the more that we practice them, the better I think we'll feel. And that is one of the things that I do actually, before I go to sleep, I do kind of a breathing exercise. This is like my version of meditation. (laughs) We've talked about like, I'm not good at meditation, but I found my own version of that, which is I do um, a breathing where I put like one hand on my Um, heart and one hand on my stomach and I Hmm. make sure that the breath is coming from lower than my chest like fully filling the cavity and I do did you know that has a technical term it's called diaphragmatic breathing oh thanks there you go
1: it's and it's actually a meditation technique Stacey Of course it is. Don't
0: tell me that because then
1: I'll stop
0: stop doing it.
1: No, no, now you can just claim that you're good at meditating.
0: Okay, good. Just not guided meditation. Well, that's the thing is it gives me something to do other than to like, you know, hear a gong and, but you know, put your body somewhere. I'm like, I can't do that. But What I can do is focus on my breathing. And so I I focus on my breathing and I do a four count in, hold, Mm -hmm. four count out. I do that a couple of times.
1: That's layering a second
0: breathing technique called equal
1: breathing. There you go. Okay. Well, it's like also a meditation
0: technique. Of course it is. (laughs) You've just ruined it for me, but
1: it's great. I'm it's great.
0: Okay. Well, anyway, so that's what I do. I do just a couple of cycles of that. And then I think about the things that happened that day that were positive, um, yesterday was you know what Finn's that's called it's called gratitude meditation stop just stop I'm not joking. I am not joking. so yesterday was Finn's birthday and um you know I could have looked at it like oh we were stuck oh he couldn't have a party oh we tried to make donuts and they failed oh this oh that but instead I was like I'm I was so grateful that the cake mix that I ordered came in time and I didn't have to try to make a cake from scratch. I was so grateful that um, even though the donuts were a complete flop that he loved making them and he had a great time and all of the gifts that we ordered for him came in time and there were so many things once I started thinking positively that I could layer on top of that. So I think it's so easy to jump into that negative space but I will say that in doing this activity before bedtime for me has really helped improve just my overall attitude and my sleep quality. So maybe we can jump into all the things that I'm doing that I don't <laughs> realize are proper meditation as well as some other things well, people can do. The
1: reason the reason why I want to acknowledge that you're actually doing three different types of meditation techniques um, is Because I think it's really important as we get into Amy's question today um, to recognize that different types of meditation resonate with different people. Um, I love a body scan meditation. Like that's, and maybe that's because I've been doing yoga since I was 17. And that's sort of like the classic Shavasana meditation at the end of a a yoga class. Um, But uh not everybody likes that type of meditation. um There's all different kinds of visualization exercises that some people like, some people don't, and you might like one kind and not another kind. um and then there's all these different breathing techniques that don't need to be done with uh visualizations or these types of guided meditations um and gratitude meditation is a is a t- is a type of meditation and so what I like about um labeling your evening Uh, activity as meditation is to help emphasize to our listeners that meditation is, is not one size fits all. There's a lot of different shades and colors of it. And, um, and if you are somebody who feels like you dislike meditating, um, maybe it's just the type of meditation that you've tried so far. Um, and maybe you can look at some other different types of meditation. Um, I, I actually, oh gosh, about a year ago, um, uh, I purchased what is called a, a heart math inner balance. And it is a little uh, probe that goes on your earlobe um, and measures your heart rate and respiration rate because your your pulse is fairly strong in your earlobe. And it gives you a little screen where it it's like a flower that inflates and deflates and you Um, And it's inflating and deflating based on your heart rate. You watch it and you time your inhale and exhale to the flower. And what it does is it syncs your respiration rate with your heart rate, um, which is called uh, coherence. And it's um, very, very, it's basically a meditative state. Um, that is done purely by syncing your respiration with your heart rate. And as you calm down, your heart rate starts to slow, and you continue to sort of sync your respiration. And you can do it for two minutes or eight minutes or an hour. And uh, the thing that, uh, Stacey, you might really like this, the because here's here's the thing that it does for me, is it gives me a score at the end of how well I did. And as a, like... <laughs> Super, um, like achievement driven <laughs> person. What <laughs> me? It's like. Right. But I, I just, it's like, it's like getting a grade on how well I meditated. Um, but at the same time, it gives me the tool to get the good grade. Right. So by following the flower, if I don't follow the flower, I I can't sink my respiration and and my heart rate. Like I just, I can't just lie down and close my eyes and think about it and do it. Some people can like people who've been training with a heart math for a long time. So, um, they're not, uh, they're not super inexpensive um, but, uh, but it's another tool for somebody who um, who, who struggles with meditation um, because it gives you a way of achieving a meditative state without the guided meditation part just by sinking respiration rate and heart rate. Um, so that's that's another cool one. We can, um, I'll make sure, let's, I'll make sure we get a a link in the show notes for, for our listeners um, so they can, they can check it out.
0: Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me, and I'm going to say this specifically because I feel like when we say ambiguously stress or, you know, do you have anxiety? Is it affecting your sleep cycle? I think a lot of people don't realize how disrupted their sleep is until they find a way to fix it. And then they're like, whoa, I really wasn't feeling restful. So the the trigger for me, um, is when I lay down, whether or not I feel like my body sinks into the bed. So if, if I lay and I, I feel like my muscles are tight in some sort of way, like I'm, I'm a little stiff in the bed, then, um, I have anxiety and usually it leads to like a long amount of time of me not falling asleep. And by long, I mean greater than 10 minutes, um, and which could be hours, but any more than 10 minutes for me is not normal. Like I normally fall asleep within 10 minutes. So if you, if I, however, if I get into bed and I, I like sink into the bed, if that makes sense, like I just yep. kind of relax into, into as a puddle into the bed, then I almost always am am asleep within 10 minutes if that makes sense. So next time you climb into bed, feel like feel your muscles, feel your how you are physically because it's a representation of how you are emotionally if that makes sense.
1: Do you have a strategy for the days that you get into bed and you realize that you you don't have that sinking into the mattress feeling?
0: Yeah, I do. You, do, th- do you get up and stretch or do you is that you do more breathing. I do three things. One, I take melatonin because I don't take it every day. But mm-hmm. if I get in and I feel stiff, then I'll I'll get up and I'll take melatonin. Um, if it's early enough or if it's been a long amount of time and I can't take melatonin, I'll take an Epsom salt bath um, mm-hmm. because that has magnesium, good, good stuff to help you sleep. Um, yep. I always take magnesium before bed. So it's not like I could just like Take extra of that, if that makes sense. But like, if we're going to, I'm sure talk about some of these things, but magnesium is um, a supplement that I take before bed as is. And then the third thing is that breathing technique. So mm-hmm. um, I can do more of that. If I didn't do it, I I'll do it. Right. Like sometimes I'm like, I'm so exhausted or I stayed up too late. And so I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to skip it. I'm going to go to bed. Usually your mind is actually more anxious and that's when you need to take the time to do it. So, (laughs) um, that's, those are the three things that I do. Um,
1: so I feel like we're already getting into some really good practical tips to answer Amy's question. Why don't I read Amy's question and use this to, to focus even a little bit more. Um, So Amy wrote after our last COVID-19 Podcast. Ladies, thank you so much for your episode on COVID 19. It could not have come at a better time. Your top immune boosting tips are the two things I can't seem to get a handle on sleep and stress. I'm a busy mom of two, a wife, and an entrepreneur. Even working from home, my days are crazy. By the time I get to bed, no, Sarah, I do not have an adult bedtime, I struggle falling asleep due to my racing, stress filled thoughts. I find myself not only stressing about the things I did not get done and the following day's to do list, but then I stress about the lack of sleep I am getting by laying awake, stressing, help. For us super busy women, like the both of you, where do we even start in the practical, realistic implementation of improving our sleep and reducing stress? What changes will make the most impact? Is there a roadmap for
0: us to follow? Thank you again for all that you both do. Before we jump in, I just want to say, Amy, you're not alone. I can tell you both from my own perspective and from what I'm hearing from people on social media, a lot are feeling your frustration. So yeah. first of all, you're not alone. Second of all, I'm going to take this opportunity to plug Sarah's ebook on sleep because um, we're going to have a show. But if you want like in-depth roadmap, as you call it, that is literally available to you. Uh, I, but we didn't even plan that. Thank you, Stacy. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you did write the book on sleep. so I did. Um. I did. And I've
1: actually, um, you know, on my... My longer to do list is to actually um basically double that ebook to incorporate stress. Um like it has a whole piece on how stress impacts sleep. Um, but I, I've been wanting to expand that portion of the the ebook. It's already like a four hundred page ebook, so you know, uh why not just double the length of it? That's that's normal. You're you're always so short for words. <laughs> that's well, um, you know, one of the things that Um, you know, especially this is about to be a very practical focused show. So this bears some uh, emphasis. My approach to everything is not just evidence-based, right? Not just uh, that there's scientific studies that look at this and explain it, but also um, that I am representing the full picture of the scientific literature. So in any Area of research in science where there isn't so much research that there is consensus, which means that you know ninety-seven ish percent of scientists look at the same body of scientific literature and come to the same conclusion. Um, in any area of science where there isn't consensus, um, or or maybe like a comprehensive consensus, maybe there's consensus on little bits and pieces of it. Um, I think it's really important to explain where we're at in terms of the like the state of human knowledge. So everything that I do resource-wise is trying to uh, provide only evidence-based information, um, but also explain the context and the nuance. So uh, where is there... Uh, evidence that maybe disagrees with this, right? What is the current state of knowledge? Um, And I think that's really important to do as a scientist because it helps people understand when we have new information that adds to that picture or changes something, how that can be. Um, Because human knowledge is not static, right? There's researchers all over the world who are working to expand our understanding of everything. And so by understanding that, um, you know, when we address a topic now that we're really looking at what we know now and here's all the questions that need to be filled out and answered, I think that allows us as um, educators to be in a better position to continue educating when there's new information that maybe changes the landscape of our understanding on a, on a particular topic, so I say all of that by way of emphasizing that even though this is a very practical focused show, everything we're going to talk about is going to have science behind it. Um, and I think the the first bit of that I want to talk about, because this is not just Amy's struggle, but Stacey, you and I both personally um, really, uh, let's say we have to be very committed in terms of... Um, uh, supporting sleep and stress management in order to have that dialed in. and I know that we both have had many experiences where as soon as life gets busy, this is the easiest thing to drop. Um, but the reason why it's so important to to really look at both of these, lifestyle factors together is because they're linked. So high stress disrupts sleep. And it can take the the form that Amy's experiencing where it takes a really long time to fall asleep. It can also take the form of uh just not getting deep sleep. So your sleeps your sleep you fall asleep really easily, you sleep all night, but your sleep stays really light. It can also take the form of falling asleep really easily but then waking up in the middle of the night and just taking hours to fall back asleep. So you have a good, you know, first four hours of the night and then after that it, it's you know all bets are off, um, and so it can take and it can take the the form of even just uh, a second wind late at night that makes it hard to even mentally go to bed right. So stress is impacting sleep quality and quantity, um, and not getting enough sleep and not getting enough quality sleep is one of the biggest magnifiers of the stress response. So when you're not getting enough sleep. Your physiological response to stress so that could be a psychological stressor, that could be a chemical stressor, that could be an environmental um, stressor, right so it could be it could be something like um, uh, a physical stress, like working out too hard or it could be, um, you know, the news, right? Like it, it can be any type of stressor. If you're not getting sufficient sleep, your body is going to produce more stress hormones in response to that stressor than if you are getting enough sleep. So it becomes, um, as much as these are two sort of independently important lifestyle factors to dial in, it it's really important to work on them together because they're so intricately linked. And it really means that, um, if, if, uh, if you're experiencing a suboptimal sleep, sometimes working on the stress piece, there's more actions that we can take. Um, so if you're experiencing a lot of stress, sometimes working on the sleep piece can help dial that in. So depending on how this is all manifesting f- for you in your life, um, it's really much more effective to have a comprehensive approach um, that really looks at sleep and stress as uh, a linked and
0: interconnected lifestyle. I think it makes a lot of sense. I know that that's the case for me and it doesn't even relate for me personally And again, I'm giving this specific example so listeners can relate to this. I don't actually lay in bed worrying about like big picture COVID-19 stuff. It's the stuff Amy's talking about for me, like Mm -hmm. all the things that I need to do, right? Like my brain is clinging to something probably because it's trying to avoid like this other thing that's really bothering it or I think I often think about death is another thing that gets me um and I just feel like I revealed a portion of myself to all of you but um that's when I know that it's gotten like really overwhelming for me Mm -hmm. and that I haven't been managing like when I start thinking about um the thing that worries me the most in life um then I'm like, okay, I need to I need to really pull back on the lifestyle factors, and I need to focus on um, this not just from a breathing before bedtime, but I need to do all the other things that we need to jump into talking about because then that makes a difference. That when I hit the head on the pillow, I might be stiff, but not like huge worrying, right? Like all of these yeah. things build into feeling better, and it's it's so key to pay attention. To all of them, which I know is overwhelming. And we tell you like, make smell changes and don't feel overwhelmed. Otherwise it won't be sustainable. So while we're going to talk about all of these things, think about some of the ones that you can implement easiest and immediately. And then, you know, feel a win from that and then focus on on other things because we're all super stressed right now. Mm-hmm. We don't need to have more stress about what we're not doing. I should have done this and blah, 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 blah. That's never going to make you feel good. Um, so just try to do the things that you can.
1: Yeah, I actually think that it would be really helpful to divide these tips into the, th- let's start with the things that aren't going to have a huge Um, like a huge interference with your routine, right? So like the small changes that can have a a really big impact um, and in the context of, right, Amy says she has a very busy schedule. Um, I I think that's very common, right? And then let's go into the things that maybe require a little bit more energy on our part, um, but that the return on investment is really high. Um, So we can kind of start with like, what's the easiest stuff? And of course, What's easiest for one person is not necessarily going to be the easiest for another person, so you know always as as you're listening to these tips um, try to try to apply that to your own life and and see what that thing would take um and maybe you'll find one of our more advanced tips to be a little bit easier to implement than one of these easy ones but i I want to try to think of this in terms of like what's the thing that Um, like what's the low hanging fruit? What, what is the thing that, um, that we can do today that doesn't require, you know, ordering something online or definitely not leaving the house because we're not going to be doing that for a little while. Um, and one of the things that Amy said in her question was that she does not have an adult bedtime and I cannot emphasize enough the importance of sleeping on a routine. It's not the bedtime is important not just because it gets you to bed enough time before your alarm gets uh, goes off in the morning that you can get enough sleep right that's how a lot of us think of that bedtime when we talk about an adult bedtime that it's about making sure we're in bed for 8 hours it's not just that it's that our circadian rhythm, right? This is how our body knows what time of day it is um, so that it can prioritize different biological processes. So it's prioritizing rest and recovery when we're asleep, it's prioritizing um, things like digestion and, um, and activity while we're awake. Right? So it's um, really important for the body to, know what time it is to be able to prioritize these functions. And if we don't go to bed at the same time every single night, if we don't sleep on a consistent schedule, that disrupts sleep quality just because the body can't predict when it needs to secrete melatonin and secrete those sleep hormones or when it needs to secrete cortisol for it to be time to wake up. And so one of the most important things that we can do is dial in that schedule so that we're going to bed ideally within about a 20 to 30 minute window every single night. And even if you're starting from a place where you know your bedtime's not early enough to be getting your full eight hours of sleep every single night, step one is solidifying that time so that you're not sometimes going to bed at 10 and sometimes going to bed at 1.30 in the morning, right? So, you know, pick pick a time that you know you can always make it to, to bed And that is your bedtime. And then once that is easy and you've sort of figured that piece out, then you can start backing up the bedtime to make sure you're getting enough sleep. But step one is actually that consistency because it is so, so important um, for sleep quality because your body knows it's coming. So your body knows to prepare for it. And because our sleep quality is so strongly driven by Uh, our circadian rhythm hormones and how they're cycling throughout the day. Just sleeping on that consistent schedule is, um, is, is like really important. So I really want to emphasize to our listeners that if you don't have your own bedtime, that
0: now, now is the time. I have a bedtime, but it's not a time you would like. (laughs) But I I will say, even if that bedtime for you is whatever, Amy's schedule allows her to get eight hours of sleep. Um, like for me, my bedtime is 11 because I'm able to sleep in past seven before my kids mm. get up. It's not ideal. But I, like, ideally, I would be going to bed earlier. And I'll be honest, it rarely happens, but at least I start my routine at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, anyway, it's something we all need to work on. And it's funny to me that you said these small changes can make a difference. And the first one, I'm like, yeah, no, that's the one that I have the hard, the hardest time.
1: With. Yeah, And again, I was, I, I realized that it is um, for some people it's very tough, and especially if you're a shift worker and you have a family and you want to do, you know, three day, your three days on, four days off type type work. Um, so those four days you want to be synced with your family, but those other three days you can't be like, this is one of those real challenges for having a consistent bedtime. Um, but it is, you know, again, um, I think if you, if we start with bedtime first is just being a consistent time and then back up to enough sleep. I think the consistent time for a lot of people, if, if, if I, if I just emphasizing, consistency rather than eight hours in bed as a starting place, I hope that makes this a little bit more accessible. Um,
0: but I, I recognize that all of these things can be challenging. I want to add that in times where your kids are home and you're home, you're working from home, whatever it is, it's tempting to get into the mentality of like every day is a Sunday and you can stay up late, watch a movie and then sleep in the next day. Um, And if you want to adapt that schedule for the next six months, like (laughs) (laughs) my kids are home for six months, then that's that's your new bedtime. But I think what I want to emphasize is that if we treat every day like a vacation, then we lose routine, which is honestly really helpful just beyond sleep on all the benefits that Sarah just gave. Like, it's very difficult to have a day that doesn't feel out of control when you're at home with your kids as well. So if that's you, like this is one of those things, that's the reason that I say I want to focus on this because the later I let my kids stay up, that means the later I stay up, which means the later we all sleep in and then the next day is just chaos and I'm constantly feeling like we're behind. So, you know, it it really does snowball quickly into more than just, a bedtime or your own personal sleep habits, right? It, it translates to a lot of things. So um, while I say this is the hardest thing for me, I also recognize that it's very important, which is why I want to keep focusing on it, um, my personal opinion. Okay, what's next?
1: So uh, along the, the realm of circadian rhythm, um, one of the things that's very challenging for a lot of us is that sunlight um, exposure during the day, especially if we're spending most of our days indoors now. Um, so uh, definitely, if you right, if you live in a neighborhood where you can go out for a walk every day and maintain social distancing, um that's something that we're fortunate enough to be able to do. Again, I feel immense gratitude um that that we live in such a, a lovely neighborhood with we're we're not going to, that part of our neighborhood where there's a playground, we're going on all the quiet streets so that, you know, it's unusual if we run into three other people out for a walk. Um, and then we just, somebody crosses the road and we're on opposite sides of the road. I'm very, very grateful that we have that. Um, so step one is still making sure that you're getting that bright sun exposure during the day to cement your circadian rhythms. If you can't, Another great thing to feel gratitude towards is the fact that light therapy boxes are now incredibly inexpensive. When I bought my first one uh, for my desk about eight years ago, it was uh, four times more expensive than they are now. Um, So you can get them for as little as 20 bucks um, and look for one that's about 10,000 lux at least. They make 12,000 as well. Um and then from there if you want it to be battery powered, if you want it to have a remote, there's all those fancy things, but it just needs to be white light, at least ten thousand lux. Put it, it wherever you're you are, some point morning or midday, um, fifteen to thirty minutes is is typically enough. I try I use mine for an hour a day. Um and it should be a foot to two feet away from your face, but at an angle. So you're not looking directly at it. And that is really, really important for, again, your body knowing what time of day it is. Um, and then there's the, the piece of like, evening should be dim. So this is where if you have uh, amber tinted glasses, put an alarm on your phone that it's time to put them on two hours before bed. Um, or two hours before grown up bedtime, just go around and, and turn off as many lights as you can. Um, right? So that maybe you have a lamp on in the corner, but not the p- bright fluorescent light overhead. Um, just try to keep your lighting dim. Um, and if you can sleep in a perfect pitch black bedroom, that is best. Um, and then again, with those hormones, we we talked about melatonin. I can't remember what episode it was. Um, we can look that up and reference it in the show notes. But melatonin is a perfectly good tool for supporting sleep. Um, you definitely want to go lower dose. So definitely not more than a, a gram. Um, so, you know, somewhere closer to physiological range, which would be maybe even half a gram or a quarter gram, sort of physiological levels. Um, you want to take it no more than 30 minutes before you're in bed. Um, I, I, if I take it, I take it right when I'm going to bed. Um, avoid long-acting formulas because it's normal for melatonin to sort of spike as you're as you're going to bed and then be nearly out of your bloodstream by the time you get up in the morning. Um, and one of the things that my husband does because he does have the issue of sort of waking up at you know midnight and not being able to fall asleep for four hours, um, his rule of thumb is if it's um, not past 2am, he gets up and gets a melatonin. And the reason for that 2am cutoff is a regular melatonin supplement lasts in your bloodstream for about four hours. So if he has to get up at six, he doesn't want any left in his, in his bloodstream because that causes what's called a melatonin hangover. And it's basically just a groggy, awful feeling that is not fixed by coffee. And it's pretty, it's pretty yucky. Um, so as a Short-term tool for getting sleep back on track, like mel- melatonin, is is uh, is a good one. Um, and you know, the studies over the last few years have really shown that, especially staying in physiological range and using it in order to entrench sleep patterns, that it
0: is a very safe tool. I have a question about the light box. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that is best done in a regular cycle as well? Like, do you yes. think it's OK, so I was just wondering, like, do you think it's better to iteratively do it randomly or like same practic- time every day? OK, so set, is, set is an alarm ideal. on your phone yeah. and do it at noon. I would think like noon to two o'clock is probably ideal because that's when the sun would be strongest outside. Is that
1: um, There have been studies that have looked at morning use versus lunchtime use, and they don't seem to be particularly different. Um, but it should definitely be in like the first half to two-thirds of the day.
0: Okay. Good to know. I'm juving in the morning, so then I would light box in the afternoon. We have one, and I haven't been using it, so I'm just asking for selfish reasons.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there, that's, I mean, th- I think that's why Amy's question is so so fantastic, especially to address now, because we are all of our stress levels higher. Um, this is, uh, an unprecedented situation in any of our lifetimes. And so, um, and so I, I also really want to acknowledge that, um, listeners, you're not alone in feeling anxious about this. And one of the things that I've been really trying to focus, um, my time on right now, Um, And the reason why I wanted to cover this question in the show is because I wanted, I want to channel my own anxiety into the positive actions that I can take that are not just going to help me be healthier through this um, outbreak, this pandemic, but also just be good things for lifelong health. Like now, you know, now is a great time to address um, stress management and sleep, if that's something that like is the case for myself, um, tends to unravel and, um, when life gets busy and, and it does. And so, um, so for me, I'm, I'm really trying to, uh, take my anxiety and take that energy. And instead of just feeling anxious about it, use that energy, towards implementing something that I otherwise would let slide like taking a brain break or a meditation break, which is the next (laughs) tip that I have, um, which is now moving from the circadian rhythm sleep piece into the stress piece. Um, I think that there's a few really important things that we can do. Um, and one is just taking, um, taking breaks throughout the day, to, um, to just empty our brains, right? So maybe it's, um, taking a few breaths, like ideally, you know, I think the advanced technique is find 15 minutes to do mindfulness every day. Um, the entry level technique is find three times during the day to close your eyes and take a few deep breaths and just, right. Like just take, take that one minute break three times a day as a, as a starting place. Um, if you have kids at home, take a break to go play with them, dance, have a dance party. We, we, um, we like to use, uh, the tickle time song from, I can't remember which Sandra Boynton, um, CD it is maybe rhinoceros tap. It's totally toddler music. And my 10 year old and my 13 year old, um, and I will turn that on. It's like the song's three minutes long and we will dance the goofiest silliest dances until all of our hearts are racing for three minutes. And it's just, we laugh at each other. We're dancing not just to be active, but to make each other laugh. Like what's the silliest we can be in this three minute song. And, um, and so that type of little break to be silly or goofy sprinkled throughout the day is it, it literally it's night and day difference in terms of stress levels when I'm taking it. I have, I'm the type of person, and I think Amy as an entrepreneur is probably very similar, um, that I, I've, no, I'll own it. I'm a workaholic. I'll own it. I'll, I'll own that terminology. <laughs> um, it's very hard for me to pull myself away when I'm feeling productive, right? When I, when I'm having this, you know, some days I just can't focus. Those days are easy to take brain breaks because it's harder to focus on what I'm doing. But when I'm really into whatever I'm reading or writing. Um, whatever I'm doing, it's that's when it's hardest to pull myself
0: away. But that's also when it's the most important. I also am a workaholic and my boys, it's okay. So I'll just say this. We we do, we'd congregate in the kitchen at least twice a day. That is our brain break. And um, sometimes we ask she Who Shall Not Be Named, because it will set off everybody's home if I say her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Starts with an A. Yes. And it's with an A. Allegra. Um, we play Song Quiz. I don't know if you've um, ever done I that. was
1: at your house when your family was playing Song Quiz. So
0: we play Song Quiz. We play Guess That Animal. We play games with her, and we'll either be on a team against Allegra, or we'll play against each other and while it's a brain break I mean we're still thinking you know what I mean so Mm -hmm. like if the boys have been playing video games this is actually a way to get them away from the screen (laughs) and um, talking to humans and laughing and having fun together Um, and we do it in the kitchen because we will make lunch together like I'll call them in Um, and I think no matter what your kids ages are this is something that you know originated with Sarah and I way back in the, you know, day when we started our blogs like a decade ago, we started them on the premise of bringing our children into this healthy lifestyle. And I just want to point out that this is an opportunity for you to reconnect with your kids and and to do that with them. And so I think a lot of people are feeling really overwhelmed with all the things they need to do for their children during this time. If you're working from home with your kids at home, this is, this is a new, like, very difficult thing Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. Like, take this opportunity to teach your children to cook and to be empowered and to do those things in the kitchen or to um, do laundry, for example. Like my kids have started a new chore of doing laundry because they're Mm -hmm. old enough and I need the help and um, we're all home. So why not? So, and I think like these can also be breaks, so to speak, right? Like whatever it is you're doing, just take an opportunity to kind of like disconnect a little bit, um, which allows that brain disconnect from the stress of whatever it is you're doing. Cause even if you love your job, I love my job, but I can still get overwhelmed and stressed by it. Even if I put that on myself. So I have to, we, we call a family meeting and it's not a bad thing. Like when we call it, nobody thinks, Oh, you know, someone's going to get in trouble. It just means like (laughs) we're all coming together um, to like meet up, if that makes sense. So you yep. could rename it something different if you want, but we're like family meeting in the kitchen, and then I'm like, okay, everybody make your lunch. What do you want? This is what we you know, these are the options. And usually my older boys will actually make their own lunches. Wesley will find leftovers and we'll play a game while we're in there. So yeah, I just I wanna emphasize that it doesn't have to be like a silly song, because my boys, if I did that, Oh, they might, they might think it was funny one time, but then after that, they'd be like, this is ridiculous. 14 <laughs> year old boys are not like doing a tickle song, but, um, there's lots of different ways you can approach this.
1: Uh, I mean, my, my kids would be mortified if they had a friend over and I was doing that. This is not an acceptable behavior from a parent in public in any, in any way, but in the Good privacy news. of our home under, under, uh, shutdown, stay in stay in place orders. Uh, it is acceptable. Um, and often still met with sarcasm until <laughs> they give into it. Um, and so, good news, no friends are coming over. That's right. No playdates. Um, we've tried to encourage actually my kids, and this is, this is another tip just for COVID-19. Physical isolation does not need to be synonymous with social isolation. And I think it's really good for all of our mental health to continue to connect with people virtually outside of our home. And well, I'm in normal circumstances, much more of a one-on-one, you know, have a phone call or do a video Skype or go out and see a friend rather than social media. I think this is one of those times where um, whatever tools you have to connect outside of the home is, is valuable. And, um, and you know, we've certainly been encouraging the kids to do video calls with their friends. And
0: All right. So those, I think, are kind of the bigger picture we're saying smaller changes, but I think the things that, um, we can do to have bang for your buck, big impact, hopefully, um, low disruption in your regular lifestyle. Um, here are some of the things that I think are like the actual actions you can take, the different things you can do that lead to that snowball of overall long-term health. And, some of them, some of good, some of good. Yes. Snowball yes. of improved health yes. is what I meant. Um, but I think some of them you might hear and you're like, oh my gosh, that, <laughs> that would be so hard. And some of them maybe would be like, I already oh, do that. I could do that. Um, yeah. so those are the things to implement right away, so to speak. So I'm going to start off with the first one that has, um, been a priority for me to improve my sleep quality. As I said, I've been seeing more um, disruption in my sleep, and that is to stop eating two to four hours before bedtime. Mm -hmm. So my my goal is actually two to three hours. I know, Sarah, we've talked before. The science says up to four. But, like, for me, it's absolutely – hours. So I know if my bedtime is 11 o'clock, like I'm not eating anything except non-caffeinated tea after nine. If I really feel like I want something, I'll have a non-caffeinated tea with no sugar, no milk, no nothing, just tea, if that makes sense.
1: Um, Yeah, it's actually really important because, and it's because eating increases your metabolism. Um, and if your metabolism is up, you can't fall into that really important deep sleep, which we tend to get more of in the first half of the night. It's also really important to avoid caffeine. Um, even if you're a slow metabolizer, like I am, and you don't get that caffeine, uh, jolt or that caffeine crash, caffeine in the afternoon can still disrupt sleep quality as can sugar like fruit, fine, whole, whole food sources of fruit, fine. But, um, if you're the type of person who's using, um, who craves sweets in the afternoon, that's that's a, a good sign of not enough sleep and high stress. Um, and it's the type of thing, caffeine and sugar in the afternoon is the type of thing that we're using to self-medicate to get us through to the next day. And it's also the type of thing that um, uh, if you can force yourself through a couple of days of pulling back on sugar and caffeine in the afternoon, you'll notice very, very quickly that you stop needing that crutch in the afternoon as your sleep improves.
0: And I want to point out that kombucha is often caffeinated. So if it was grown on green or black tea, as most of them are, um, that would be caffeine. So that was one of the things that I implemented as well. Like I have been having kombucha every day to increase my probiotics. And I was like, oh, duh, I'm drinking kombucha (laughs) with black tea at 4pm. That's not a good life choice. So just FYI, it's not just coffee that has caffeine.
1: Um, Another, I would say, like advanced uh, technique for um, addressing that sleep stress cycle is actually making sure that you're not vitamin D insufficient. Um, And that is just because vitamin D has a a direct impact on mental health um, and our stress levels. It can also impact our um, sleep quality. It can impact right, our energy level during the day. Um, so um, certainly, right? You can get at-home testing and, and supplement accordingly. This is not. Don't guess. Test. Um, you can ask your healthcare provider for their recommendations. Um, but that that's something that can make a really big difference, um, in the sense of making sure that your body is responding appropriately to the efforts that you're putting in.
0: I am getting my vitamin D via sunshine. Um, Mm -hmm. It's another way to increase your vitamin D naturally. So one of the things that I've been doing is um, mandating outside time for everybody, unless the weather's like really terrible, but we've only had one rainy day. Um, And so... Uh, some days we all take a family walk and other days just the boys have gotten out. All of our parks and recreation areas are actually closed here. There's some trails, but, um, for the most part, everything is actually closed in our County. So we we're just sticking to home. We have some really nice wooded area and different kinds of things where we are. And so, um, if you're able to get out, whether it's to go to a more, um, secluded place where there won't be a lot of people and you can like walk a trail or even just to take a longer walk around your neighborhood. Um, I suggest doing that both from the benefit of, you know, the fresh air um, and sunlight and vitamin D absorption, circadian rhythms, all that good stuff. We've been doing the same thing.
1: Um, and the other thing that we've been doing, we've been doing walking as well as at home workouts. So um you know, we don't have very much by way of, of at home fitness equipment, but we do have some dumbbells. Um, I've got a nice sturdy chair that I can do step ups or jumps onto. Um, and we've been sort of making do with a lot of body weight type movements. And, uh, my 13 year old has been working out with me every day for about 30 to 40 minutes. Um, and that's on top of trying to get out for a family walk daily. We, we've had more rainy days um, than you have, but um, just that, I mean, exercise is really good for supporting sleep quality, for managing stress, and it's also sort of independently beneficial for our immune function. So that has made it really high up on our, our to-do list every single day.
0: You know what I've started doing? I think you're going to be really proud of me. Okay. I'm reading a book before bed. <gasps> Like no screens
1: right before like a, bed? like a paper book. Like an actual, they still make those?
0: No. I know, right? <laughs> so I'm super excited because it started by, um, we watched Mrs. Doubtfire. This is going to come quickly, I promise. I understand that Mrs. Doubtfire is a movie on a screen. <laughs> so there was a little girl um, who plays Matilda, and it immediately reminded me of how much I loved... Roald Dahl and Matilda. Mm, And the, the, I mean, those were my favorite stories when I was Wesley's age and I had introduced my oldest to them, but I don't know if anybody else is like this, but if you have basically like more than four years between your kids, you introduce to one kid and then like the the other one is too young. And then like that kid never gets to see Star Wars. And you're like, oh my gosh, I failed as a parent when you realize it. So um, I realized that Wesley had never been introduced to Roald Dahl, and I was like, "Wesley, we're gonna read Matilda, and then we can watch the movie. Like, this is what we're gonna do." And so, yep. I went upstairs to the library because we already have all of his books, and he was like, "Wow, this guy wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and BFG, and James mm-hmm. and the Giant Peach." And I was like, "Yes!" Yep. So we started reading Matilda and um, the Witches and Slime. I know, Fox. so he d- but he didn't know about um fantastic Mr. Fox and the witches and, um, and the twits is actually my favorite. And so we've already got a lineup of what we're going to read next. And so we started reading as a family and like Matt does the voices and I do the voices <laughs> and Colin and Finn are like final read. And then, so we're like taking turns as a family reading Matilda. And I was like, this is so much fun. I need to read right now. Like this is what I need to read. And, um, so I ordered a book that had been something that had been on my mind for a while, even though I don't, like here's the thing listen I know how to read listeners are kind of like appalled right now that I don't read I do audiobooks a lot but ever since I started the blog and after I was an English major like I just kind of got over reading and writing a lot for a while because I and I'm sure Sarah like you're the same way we're reading all day long like that's our mm-hmm. job where we're reading all day long and so I hadn't been reading for pleasure and I'm loving it. So I'm not, we're not having, um, screens like an hour before bed. We're reading Matilda together as a family. And then I have been trying to keep the TV off for Matt and I, and then reading a book or something like that.
1: I think that's super important for just having that downtime before bed. Um, and reading is awesome. Um, I think I've already mentioned also, um, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of mindfulness every day, Um, we have been using Headspace, um, which is right. So like cliche, because it's like the super accessible um, app. Um, But even though I'm an experienced um, meditator, is that, I don't know if that's the right word. Meditation, I don't know. Um, Even though I've um, I was introduced to mindfulness meditation again, when I was 17, which was just a few years ago. Um, my family is not, and we have anxiety runs on, um, both my side of the family and my husband's side of the family. And both of our kids have, um, personality traits that can lead to a susceptibility to anxiety. And we've, they've certainly each had periods of time where anxiety is manifested for them um, which is why our 2020 new year's resolution was to meditate and so we've been going through we've gone through all the basics courses together as a family we're doing the anxiety actual meditation course now um, with headspace and what i like about it is that they're pretty simple techniques that build very very slowly and, um, we've been making sure to find time. We typically do 10 minutes together as a family because, uh, a certain 13 year old refuses to do any more than 10 minutes. And, uh, sometimes you have to compromise. Um, but, um, but that has been really, really helpful for, for everyone in the house to the point where we can tell a day that we skip, cause we probably get to it five days a week. So, like there's probably two days a week where we go, oh wait, we forgot to do that today. And, um, you can, you can tell, you can tell the days where we miss. Um, so somebody will, will have anxious thoughts that, uh, impact the rest of the family because we are all living in the same house all the time.
0: I am your 13 year old spirit animal in so many ways. Um, <laughs> Okay, another thing that I think is super important is to be present in what you're doing. So if you are with your family, whether you're reading Matilda or doing a mindful practice or whatever it is, like yesterday, for example, was Matt's first day off in a couple of weeks and, you know, he wants to check up on what's happening on the internet. Like he hasn't had any personal time to himself just as much as we haven't had time with him. And so in between reading his turn on chapters of Matilda, he would pick up his phone and I would look at him and I would be like this is what we're doing right now. Like I promise in 10 minutes, like your phone and the internet will still be there. Like just be present with us. Let's listen to the story and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so if you are working from home, like carve out that time, whatever that looks like for you, whatever you need to set up for the rest of your family, like focus on that. But then when you walk away from that, whether it's for lunch or for the end of the day or for whatever, like make sure that you're separating, um, Those activities so that you can have a work-life balance, so that you can have quality time with your family, so that you can be present in the moment and give hopefully 100% to what it is that you're doing. Because if you try to give 20% to all the five things that you need to be doing, no one is going to feel fulfilled, including you.
1: I think it's also like really important to expand on that and talk about the importance of connection, whether that's with uh, family members, whether that's cuddling with a pet. If you live by yourself, that might take the form of a video chat with a friend or, or extended family. Um, but that that type of, you know, once again, getting to the, the main takeaway that physical isolation should not be synonymous with social isolation. It's really, really important for us to um, come together metaphorically right now. Uh, obviously not physically, we definitely need to maintain that six to eight foot distance. But I think that, you know, we are we are all doing this together. We're all in it together. We are all making sacrifices in order to protect the most vulnerable in our communities. And um, And this is, you know, the type of tip that's really important, you know, If it was normal days, we would say, you know, make sure to, you know, hug your friends and cuddle with your spouse and your pets and your kids. Um, Obviously, the landscape is a little bit different right now. Um, But there's lots of other ways that we can get that quality time and that connection that is really worth the effort to seek out if it's not something that is like landing in your
0: metaphorical, again, lap. It could be a cat. It could be a literal lab if it's a cat. Yes. I would highly suggest spending quality time with your pets. They can sense when you need it. And if you don't have a pet, there are a lot of pets looking for a home right now Mm -hmm. because their caretakers that were normally wherever they were are at their homes. And so it's a great time (laughs) to to help out foster or adopt a pet and and get that mutual love-ins. Okay. So last one for me is a screen detox. I've talked Mm -hmm. about this before. We've done this for weeks with my boys. I wouldn't dare do that right now. Um, but even just a day or two days and, um, or a couple of hours for me, right. Like makes a huge difference and telling my brain, okay, I'm not doing that right now. Like whatever comes up, like it's not urgent. Um, and so giving yourself that space to, to um, detach from it. I will say as a family with multiple people having ADD and ADHD, when you have an abundance of overstimulation, which is what screen time is, it can ramp up that um, behavioral antagonistic feeling, especially when it's turned off and then you're not overstimulated anymore. So it's something I'm super mindful of with my boys. I have been actually not discouraging them to play video games because the ones that they play are actually a connection with their friends. Like they talk to their friends, um, on the, uh, internets. I feel like an old lady now. I'm like on the internet, um, they're talking with their friends and it's kind of like hanging out, but there is, there's a certain amount of time, right? So for me, I'm like, okay, plan the time that you're going to, hang out with your friends on video games today because it's not going to be a free-for-all all all day Um, and that makes a really good difference usually it's when dad comes home that everything turns off and we all spend time as a family we play board games or you know we hang out or we just talk about our day or we read but like I would suggest coming up with a cycle for how to make that work for you because it does make a difference for sure.
1: So I hope that this, uh, collection of tips at least give some food for thought in terms of ways that, um, all of our listeners can potentially use this extra time at home to, um, to address things that are easy to sort of fall off the bottom of the to-do list and, and really, um, again, sort of take, take the, uh, Anxiety that is incredibly normal and common and earned in this situation and channel that into positive actions that are going to um, hopefully lend themselves to lifelong habits, right? Because everything here, even though a lot of the troubleshooting we're doing is sort of in the context of shelter in place type orders, these are all good habits to, to maintain afterwards because it's going to help support our lifelong health. So, um, I hope, I
0: hope this was a helpful episode. I'm helped. I feel equipped with the tools that I need to take action to be my healthiest, best self. Yes. And thank you, Amy, (laughs) for a great question that we identified with so very much. (laughs) Very much. and Very, very much. Thank you listeners for tuning in. If you found this podcast helpful, if you think that someone you know would enjoy listening to it, we would love for you to share it with them. And you can always tell others how much you love the podcast by leaving us a review. When you do that, it helps others find it. And we thank you so much. I think especially um, in this day and age, um, there's a lot of information out there that Sarah and I don't necessarily agree with, or isn't action oriented, or maybe has hyperbole in how it can change your life. And so giving people tools to feel educated without scare tactics, without suggesting that it's a cure-all um, is important to us. And we hope that we can be that um, steady rock for you during this very tumultuous, weird, changing time. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back
1: next week. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. And I don't know if you can hear the printer in the background, but somebody just decided to print something because <laughs> my family is all working from home and they don't check with me, my desk right beside the printer, to find out if now's an okay time to print something. They just do it. And then 13-year-olds sneak in the room. What are you? <sighs> yes, no, I, we're paused. It's an edit point. Matt's going to have to cut all this out. Just get your, what is it? It better be math. Is it math? Oh, my God. How much math do you have? Oh, it better take you at least an hour. I, I don't blame Miss Garrett for anything. I think she's the best teacher you've ever had. I love how much math homework she gives you. I just, I just want you to check with me before you print. It's on vibrate. It would have been fine. Go. <laughs>